Welcome to BSD Talk number 205. It's Saturday, June 4, 2011. I have another interview for you that was recorded during BSD CAN 2011, so let's get right to it. Today on BSD Talk, we're here with Josh Petzl from iX Systems. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Ron? So, I guess since the last time we spoke, FreeNAS 8 has been released. Yes. Yeah, it has. It's been over a year since we talked, actually. I think it was... 2010 February something like that and uh, we've we've been doing a lot of work and we've finally released FreeNAS 8.0. Yeah, I, I installed it. It it works. The interface, it's something one can navigate. Uh, I was able to share files. Um, I guess given that this was such a big rearchitecture, really that was the goal. The modest goal at this point was to get the thing up and running. Yeah, we, we definitely um, had this take a step back from our original goals. Uh, after we discovered how, how involved FreeNAS was, uh, FreeNAS 7, um, it turns out that after doing some code analysis and some stuff like that, uh, we discovered there's about 52 man years uh, into FreeNAS 7. And we were attempting to duplicate all of that in a year, and it simply wasn't possible with our team. So we had to take quite a big step back from our original goals, which was duplicate all the functionality in FreeNAS 7 as well as make some advancements. And instead, with uh, we ended up taking most of the core components of a file server and a, a traditional NAS and, and doing those really well and leaving out a lot of the multimedia, home user, you know, the stuff that FreeNAS does really well. Um, we ended up leaving that out and delaying it for uh, the modular support that we have coming out. Sure, yeah. I'm trying to remember from what I uh, saw on the interface. At this point, um, you've got a system that can have UFS or ZFS or ZFS, Mm -hmm. uh, can share it out over SMB, AFP, NFS. There's some FTP. Is there FTP? FTP, yep. TFTP and iSCSI. But the big four are SIFS, NFS, AFP, and iSCSI. You can do local authentication or Active Directory. Yep, or LDAP. LDAP, yeah. And we've even, uh, it's not in 8.0, but very shortly after the release, we figured out how to get um, Samba or SIF shares to be uh, controlled from, from Active Directory. So you can actually, you, you can see your FreeNAS box in Active Directory and assign it permissions from there. Um, and, and then manage it as a storage object from Active Directory and set all the permissions and ACLs. Uh, from inside Active Directory, and it just becomes a slave to that. So, uh, so it, it's it's pretty powerful if you're using it with Active Directory. It integrates very well. And at this point, is there an upgrade path from seven to eight? No, not really. Um, we're working on a uh, upgrade tool that will take the configuration from seven and put it into eight. the The reality is is that. We lost so much functionality from seven to eight in terms of the BitTorrent client and the rsync support and, and things like that. That reconfiguring a FreeNAS box um, is fairly simple uh, at this point, and so so the configuration you have to reconfigure it based on you know what your seven uh, configuration was. 
the storage volumes that you're using to store data, there's an upgrade path for those, so you can import the storage volumes. And I guess that's the important part. We are working on an upgrade tool. We hope to have it done in a couple weeks. So at this point, you've got some basic features, and I guess one of the you know the big goals was the plug-in system, so that not only you but others could extend the product. What are some of the first modules you're looking to bring into the system? Well, um, a, a BitTorrent client uh, module has been heavily that, that's heavily sought after, and so it, it turns out it was a bit surprising to us because I thought things like uh, printer support. Open VPN, you know, VPN, th those kind of things, and it turns out that that's not what the community is is uh, demanding. They want their BitTorrent client back. They want their streaming audio solution back. They want, and so the first module that we're going to do, uh, which will be the example for how to do modules, will be sort of a whole multimedia module that will include the BitTorrent, the streaming audio, the iTunes support, and things like that. So. And what about things like R-Sync and, you know, in a more of an enterprise situation where you might have multiple uh, free NAS boxes and, and getting your data between those? What are the options there? Um, right now it has a very simple um, ZFS replication scheme built into it. Um, we have some uh, scripts provided by another company that is using them in production for doing ZFS replication that, that's far superior to what we have, and so we're working on integrating those. Um, the R-Sync and Cron screens that the old FreeNAS has, um, FreeNAS 7, we're, we should have those done fairly quickly. In fact, the screens for them were done, they were just never hooked up on the back end, so doing the back end support is pretty easy for that. Uh, they're, they're pretty much cookie cutter at this point compared to some of the other stuff we've had to work out. So hopefully uh, very soon now, Cron and R-Sync will make an appearance. The better uh, replication for ZFS um, will make an appearance. And, um, and, and we've also taken a look at Host as, as another way to do replication. Um, and some people in the community have started hacking in support for that and figured out how to make it go um, in a way that works for them. So we're going to take some of their ideas and bring it back in as well. I guess this also saw the introduction of um, a new appliance for my systems. Um, yeah, there there is a uh, there is a FreeNAS Pro uh, version in the works um, that is going to be um, it's going to be open source. We're not going to do releases uh, of it um, to the general community, but the source will be in the repo, and an enterprising individual could build. FreeNAS Pro for themselves. Um, and that's going to have some features in it that will trickle down into the community releases, but we're looking at um, everybody Everybody has dedupe at this point in ZFS, and that's a highly sought-after feature. And so we've backported uh, ZFS version 28 into FreeBSD 8.2, which is the basis of FreeNAS right now. And so we're going to have that along with, you know, the things that go with that in the GUI. Um, and then some other features that are important to, you know, uh, enterprise or professional customers. Like, for instance, they'll have the ability to create a ticket in our, in our ticketing system if it has a hardware failure automatically. So if it drops a drive, it will simply create a ticket automatically, and the new drive will show up um, in a box with a put me in slot five and a return tag, you know, things that don't really matter to home users. So 
uh, it'll have some features like that in it. But I think the big feature will be ZFS 28 is going to make its appearance there. And then once a FreeBSD version is released that has ZFS 28, we'll trickle it back into, into the uh, community version. There was a press release about some partnership with Fusion IO. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, IX Systems is uh, a the only channel partner of Fusion IO that supports FreeBSD, and so we have their beta FreeBSD driver um, along with a distribution agreement of that. And you can buy um, Fusion IO cards from us to put in community commodity hardware and run FreeBSD on them. And uh, we're really excited about that. Their, their cards are faster than we can divide. Every test we can devise, something else ends up being the bottleneck. The cards are, are so fast that we can't even come up with a real-world scenario that, that uses them. But uh, if you want FreeBSD and Fusion I.O., we've got the solution. And, and FreeNAS and a Fusion I.O. card is, is blindingly fast. We, we, we haven't even... We've tried exploring the options, using them as a ZFS, a Zill device, putting a ZFS file system on them, sharing them out via iSCSI, putting virtual machines on them. We, we can't, everything we try and figure out, you know, that we think we could do, it ends up, you know, the network is a bottleneck or the, um, and so, so we're really, really excited about that. We've, we've got some in production now. We've got some companies that we've been um, working with where we think Fusion IO cards will make a huge difference in their workload. Um, we're, we're trying to convert a very large company to, they have an SVN repo that's so large that SVN merge operations take hours, six to seven hours, and, and we've demoed a Fusion I.O. card to them that, that takes it down to a 30 or 45 minute operation. And so we have some use cases for it that we're really excited about. Uh, that's a partnership that, that we just can't get enough of. And, and it's fun. We have some Fusion IO cards in the office for testing and in some boxes, and, stuff, and they're just fun to play with. I mean, it's wow. So I guess often for file system performance, you just stack a bunch of smaller disks, so at least you have a lot of spindles. Does this mean I can, you know, get a bunch of really, really gargantuan but not particularly fast disks, you know, maybe only two, and put a Fusion IO card in front of them, and then I almost have the same benefit as that big array of disks? If, you're, if, you're, um, if your working set is small... Or if you tend to have hotspots that persist in your working set. So say you have 10 terabytes of data and you have 300 gigs that you use a lot and that locality changes very slow. Like you might use that, you know, 200 gigs of it and then slowly over time it migrates. Um, Fusion IO cards will, will make that appear like it's all on a Fusion IO card. Um, and it would be blindingly fast. If you're hitting, you know, this file over here and that file over here, and you're, you're all over the place, then, then it doesn't help performance as much. Or if your working set is larger than the Fusion I.O. card you can afford, then also it has to sort of pick and choose, and you get some, it's faster but not totally faster. So it really depends on your data and your data set, your working set, and how local it is. Neat. And this is available in the Titan appliance also? Yep. Yeah, we can sell them in in either a FreeBSD box, generic FreeBSD box on, on pretty much any of our hardware that's qualified with it, or we have a FreeNAS appliance where we've you know picked some components that work well for FreeNAS and we can put it in that as well. So they have some they have some very exciting products. They have um they have some really, really fast cards. Uh, the top-end card that we looked at, I think they want $95,000 for, 
and it's four of their fastest cards in basically raid zero. Um, but it exposes it. So, yeah, it's really, really fast. <laughs> so That's great. Well, I look forward to uh, giving it some more use uh, where I am. Uh, at this point, I'm just experimenting with it. But we are looking for a solution for a virtual tape library. So it's not a performance issue. It's just we need a bunch of disks that we can grow and then replicate. So I'm, I'm hoping that FreeNAS can work out for us. Sure, sure. I, th- I think it, a lot of people, the interest in it has been just amazing. Um, there really is no FreeBSD and ZFS storage solution out there that you can, you know, that you can get. And so, a lot of people are in the same boat as you. They're they're like, what will this work in my scenario? And we've gotten a lot of feedback, you know, from from companies and from people at companies that are saying we could use this if we had, you know, this. And that's really prioritized our next, you know, what we're working, what we thought we were working on versus now what really is important to people. And so. The, the the amount of interest in this is is almost unbelievable. We had um, for three days straight, we had over a thousand downloads an hour of FreeNAS, and so uh, it's tapered out. You know, it's slowed down since then. Um, we're not maintaining that pace, but the amount of inquiries and just it, it's almost overwhelming. Sometimes I have to just shut it off, you know, so I can get stuff done. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, everybody out there is. And, and, of course, you never know when that one guy is the guy at, you know, he's got 80,000 users and he wants 100 of them. You know, you don't know and you, you feel bad for that. But, but at the same token, we have to get some stuff done, so... Do you think we'll ever see this on the sort of smaller embedded NAS systems so you can buy at a Fry's Electronics? Um, you know, ZFS was not designed for small. It's very, very resource intensive. And one of the things that, that we've done as we've, um, as we've worked on this is we've sort of developed two different code paths for a lot of different things. There's the UFS code path and then there's the ZFS code path. And it, more and more we've come to view this as a ZFS storage appliance. And, and the UFS support has been harder and harder. As we get into more advanced ZFS features, it's hard to keep up with the UFS support. And you know, one of the things that, frankly, that I've, I've thought about is what would happen if we just dropped UFS support at all. And um, you know, we certainly aren't going to do that. But um, ZFS is not conducive to small. You know, a lot of people are trying to run FreeNAS on you know atoms with a gig of RAM, and, and it just the performance just isn't there um, on ZFS. And so it's hard for us to compete in that space, especially when a lot of those small NASs are, are very cheap ARM systems. They're not you know x86, and 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 uh, they're running journaling file systems that are not resource intensive, and th- and that's a really hard space to compete with in terms of performance. So for the moment, I think you're going to see FreeNAS competing on the top end. Um, you're going to see, you know, 48 drive, 96 terabyte, you know, big stuff a lot sooner than you're going to see uh, small. If, if it becomes wildly successful, if we end up with a lot of money to dump into something, then absolutely we will certainly um, try and compete in that space. But right now, it, it's just from the technologies, it's not a competitive product. It would take a lot of work. And then you're talking about you have to sell a lot of units to, to you know, mm-hmm. your profit margins are slim. So, And in reality, we took a stroll through Fry's um, Electronics a few months ago and wandered down their NAS section. And the, the amount, I mean, they have an aisle 
you know, with maybe 75 devices, and they're truly amazing. Uh, you know, and some of them are really, really polished and really amazing, and, and that's that's intimidating to, to start thinking about, like, yeah, maybe we could compete in there. So for the moment, there are no plans in that direction, but of course, it's on our radar as something we could do in the future. Great. Well, thank you for taking a little time this morning to, to talk to me about FreeNAS, and um, just looking forward to playing with this release and the next release and, and watching it grow. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 205.